The story of Christmas is the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As Christians, we know it well. We know that Matthew's gospel in the second chapter offers us specific details pertaining to the birth of our Lord. And that Luke comes along and compliments what's written in Matthew to give us a complete full picture pertaining to all the things we need to know of the greatest gift given to mankind. Through the two Gospels, we learned this. And we probably learned it as the children at a very early age in life. It's what we celebrate each and every year. And we annually each year celebrate it as we did yesterday. December 25th is the day set aside to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is the day that we annually celebrate the birth of our Savior, our Messiah, our Lord, who come to be to save the world from their sins. But as we recognize that, here's the question to follow up. After the day, always December 25th, after the day, and the exchanging the gifts, the hustle and bustle, the food, the activities, all the things that transpires, do we just return to our normal life on the day after? On the day after, do we give any other thought? I mean, have we done all that already previously this month, so the day after we can just forget about it? Any thought we give at all today to the birth of our king? Or is Christmas then just a day on December 25th, we march up to it, and then when it culminates, when it's there, it's just one day really and done. As we think about that and ponder that question, unfortunately for many people, that is precisely what happens. The day after Christmas is unfortunately a day when the ordinary, mundane, nothing special, humdrum, ordinary life just begins. I mean, life just seems to return on the day after Christmas for so many people. I mean, they say Christmas is over. And for many people, you know, they say, thank goodness, Christmas is over. Because they have all that stress building up to that day, and it's like, okay, it's over, it's done. And they look upon it as a time to get back to work, or to get back to life, or to whatever. For many people, they view the day after Christmas as a time when they're just thankful that it's all over with. And that's sad. Because in my estimation, in my view, the way I perceive it is that Christmas continues year long. It's not just a day. But while that is the case, that many people look towards the day and it's happened and it's over, many people fail to realize that with, it, with the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the promise. He is always there. And he is always there 24-7, not just one day, but continually throughout the year, each and every day, always there. And when you begin to really contemplate and take in and realize that truth, I suggest to you your life is never the same afterward. Now today then, to help us understand that and to maybe have a message pertaining to that, we go back once more to Matthew chapter 1. As we learn some things pertaining to the birth, we go to Matthew chapter 1 and look at verses 18 through 25. It's verses we probably read a little bit already previously to today pertaining to the birth, and we single in really, if you will, in verse 23 a bit later, because it pronounces what we need to know pertaining to how God 
His son Jesus is always there. So stand with me this morning if you're able to as we go to the text written in the Gospel of Matthew. Again, it's in the first chapter. We begin our reading in the first chapter of Matthew in verse 18. And it says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and she'll call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22 says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet, which leads into verse 23. The prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Father, Lord, we're thankful today, Lord, for how we can come together freely. A day after what is typically celebrated as the day, December 25th of your son's birth. Today we set aside to celebrate it. But today, Lord, we come recognizing it's not just one day. Of how we recognize today, Lord, that you give us this gift and how you're always there for us. So we begin to contemplate that and have a message pertaining to that. We invite now your spirit to lead and to guide and to enter our hearts so we can fully, fully realize that whenever we turn, wherever we have discomfort, whenever we have pain, sadness, and sorrow, we can always turn and there is Jesus. So, Lord, guide and direct us and lead us. And let's be thankful for what we shall receive here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I mentioned it a little bit on Christmas Eve. I was careful not to say too much. And I mentioned it certainly last week in a lot more detail that my coworkers have called me and labeled and attached to me the Grinch. But as I explained a little bit Christmas Eve and certainly a little bit last week and maybe even more so today, I'm not the Grinch. I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. Yeah, that little thing about Santa disturbs me, okay? But I love Christmas. I love the music. I love the excitement that's in the air with the children. The anticipation, as Tyler mentioned, the children getting up on Christmas morning and just looking at those gifts, can't even wait to unwrap them. My daughter who is, I think, around 33 or something like that, yesterday, when she got to our house, she was all giddy, ready to unwrap the presents. I mean, she's no longer a three-year-old, although she acts like it. And she then gets there then, can't wait to open the presents. She's the one who goes to the tree and passes all of the gifts around to everybody. When the rest of us, even Jasper and Anna, who are considerably younger than Kayla, are just sitting there waiting for things to happen. She's giddy. She's excited. And I love the anticipation and excitement of children on Christmas morning. 
I, I equally love the gathering of God's people like we happen to have here on, on Christmas Eve. We set a record attendance on Christmas Eve, a Friday night. It's a blessing to be able to gather in the house of the Lord to be able to have honor and tribute given to him. And I love being among the people, and I love the, the, the feel of love just is in the air that something special is happening. It, it's a wonderful atmosphere that happens just after Thanksgiving all the way through Christmas. And I love every bit of that. So I'm not really the Grinch, no. And I love Christmas season. But I also love as we think about Christmas during the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is it tells us, it conveys to us that God lived among us. That God became flesh and he became Incarnate, like he just began to live around us and among us, which is what verse 23 tells us. It's Emmanuel, I mean, God with us. Verse 23, again, the prophet speaks Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The fact that God lived among us, that dwelt around us, is huge. I mean, it means that he is always there for us. He is always present every day in our lives. Which means that everywhere we go, everywhere, God is with us. If we go to the mall shopping, God is there. We go to our stadium to cheer on our favorite sports team, God is there. He may not be cheering on the Purdue Boilermakers or the Kentucky, Kentucky Wildcats. But he is there while we're cheering on those particular teams. Chris is not in here, but I did that for him. Roger's here. He got it. But he is there. While we're cheering on our teams, he is there. He is there when we're at school. He is there when we're at work. He is there even when we go to visit people in the hospital. He never leaves us nor forsakes us, as written in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. In fact, you could say this. That we'd never leave home without him. We'd never leave home without the Lord. Which brings us to maybe an illustration that we could maybe use today to recognize of how we'd never leave home without him. Because almost 40 years ago, a well-known credit card company, the American Express, popularized the slogan, don't leave home without it. The company literally warned the consumers to never be without their credit card. They love it when people use that credit card. Don't leave home without it. But forward thinking, maybe not so many people use the American Express card, they use other cards, but today forward thinking, if we had to assign an item or had to assign something where people don't leave home without it, it would be the cell phone. Today, the same thing could be said about the cell phone in general. The smartphone, as it's called to be, has become one of the, if not the absolute, most indispensable items that we cannot leave home without. It's one of the items we possess that we probably cherish the most. In fact, many people view their smartphone as an extension of human life and activity. And because of that, they never leave home without it. Particularly if you are a teenager and or someone in the early 20s and 30s. 
Now I've noticed before that people like Dan and John and maybe Juanita, Eki, older people, not old, but older, okay, they sometimes could care less about that cell phone. But the younger generation, no, we never leave home without it. But then again, thinking, I recognize, and they should maybe too, it is not out of the realm of possibility to lose or misplace such an item that they view as indispensable. Yes, even the smartphone, as it's called, is not immune to forgetfulness or being lost. And despite modern day, particularly teenager thought, it is possible, listen, it is possible to go through a day without that phone. I just upset a lot of people. It is possible to go through that day without that phone. But here's the point I'm trying to make then. Unlike credit cards or that smartphone or any other modern day inventions, Jesus is with us all the time. He's not lost like that cell phone could be or like coins in the couch and cushions. He's there every day, all the time, day and night, he is there. And so important is his omnipresence that he was given the name Emmanuel, which clearly tells us in the text means God with us. Now, thinking about that, I recognize that maybe the best scripture that reminds us of God's omnipresence, how he's always there, always present, is written in Psalms 139. It's a psalm written by David who learned that God is always there. Listen to some of the words as David expresses his realization that the Lord is always there. He says in Psalms 139, verse 7, He says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. The Lord knows everything about us. He is there with us always. In the psalm that David writes here in 139, it continues many, many verses. We've only read a small portion of it, although we read about quite a bit. There's many more verses that reveals that David was truly amazed that wherever he went, God was there. Maybe we could sum all of it up and attach a central theme to it, which would be this then, that God is inescapable. From the womb, throughout every day of our life, every day of our life, God is with us. 
God is with us. He is always there. Now, for some people, that may scare you. To come to realization that God is always there can be a frightful thought for people who are always in mischief, causing trouble, or just chasing that worldly life. I mean, think about it. If, if God is always there, and he is, then that means not only is he present in the places where we visit, that we go, like, again, the, the stadium where we're cheering on our team, or the mall, or school, or the hospital, or work. But he's present in all those places, yes. But he's not just limited to all those places. He's limited. He's also available and with us everywhere we go. That sometimes we would think that he don't want to be with us when we go in there, like the local bar or nightclub. Or we think we're in private watching this adult movie. Or sometimes when we're going to surfing on the web looking at various sites. Sometimes we think God may not be with us then, but he's still there. Because truly, we're never alone. And there's times where we seem to maybe by ourselves, but yet we are not alone. Because as the text reminds us and emphasizes today, God is always there. And he's fully aware of our coming and going. The Lord spoke to Jeremiah in 23:24 and says, Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him? Do I not feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord? He's everywhere. Everywhere you've ever been, if you're a Christian, God is with you. Anywhere you've ever been in your entire life, whatever you've done, God is aware of it. He is always there, always present. An implication for what Jeremiah has been spoken by God can be found written by Solomon in Proverbs 15:3, where he says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. On the evil and the good, so he sees, he knows it all. He's always there. A few years ago, Sheila was conveying this truth to a group of young people at our previous church we had in Evansville. And as she was explaining this to them about the omnipresence of God, and how he's always present, always there, their eyes became huge. Even a bit of fear rippled through their body. So in that particular moment of their fear, they then asked some clarifying questions, such as, you mean that God is aware of where I was at last night? Or they asked, you mean, God knows what text I just sent to that boy? And clarifying questions to make sure she they understood what she had just conveyed to them of God's omnipresence. Of course, the answer to their questions was an astounding yes. I mean, God is aware of everything, and nothing takes him by surprise. It's truly part of his distinguishing attributes that he alone exists that, that possesses. His omnipresence that we're talking about now being always there and always present. And not only his omnipresence, but his omniscience of him being all-knowing, and also then it was omnipotent, that he is almighty and powerful. Perhaps a study would be you know, helpful to all these different things in the future endeavor, but today, if we think about his, his attributes, 
the one we're keen upon is again his omnipresence. That's why he's always there. Now he's always present. And for some people, as mentioned, that could be frightful. It could be a very scary thought to know that God is always there. However, for you and me as believers, it should not be scary. It should not be frightful. In fact, what it should do for every one of us as believers, when we know that God is always there, it should bring us considerably great comfort in life. So the question we entertain for a moment now is the fact that how can we then view God's omnipresence, how he's always there, how can we view that as comforting to us? So today, then, we talk about a couple of different ways in which we can view his omnipresence as comforting. And the first would be this, emotionally. You know, many people today face abandonment or betrayal or neglect or somehow, some way, just detach from social circles. This truth happens all too frequently to various sorts of people in almost all ages. I literally see it in children every day on the bus. As I pick up a particular group of kids, I can see it every day. And honestly, it's disturbing. If I don't see it in a particular group of kids on the bus, I see many more as I'm working the lunch line and hand them milk or a lunch tray, of how they're banned and neglect. It's sad to sometimes see that in the child. I mean, you can sometimes, without knowing every detail, you can just see that they're suffering from neglect and abandonment because a lot of times they won't even look you in the eye. And sometimes, without being judgmental, can tell by the way they're dressed or the fact that they have awkwardness speaking. And, of course, they're always and constantly a target of ridicule. So we, we, we see that with children, but, but it's, make no mistake, it's not limited to children. We see it also with adults. How you have that emotional distress and social abandonment, even with adults, who just long for someone to be there to call them or to send them a card or make some connection. Now, I see it in nursing homes. Where people who are elderly have just been placed there and sometimes just left. I see it when I visit hospitals like yesterday or the day before when you lose a loved one. That emotional crisis that seems to just suddenly enter your life. And when you lose a spouse, a child, or a special friend, I mean, no doubt it changes your entire life. And then a large void is created there that you want to fill. So you have this emotional element where you need great comfort. And we begin to realize as Christians, we have that comfort because God is there. He's always there to help fill that void and to bring that comfort. The psalmist had written in 3418, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. That could be a child or adult. It could be any one of us. It could be right here, right now. Psalms 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Two particular psalms just helps us realize that yeah, with God's omnipresence, he's there to help us through an emotional difficulty that we need help. 
He's there to comfort and to guide and to help us. I mean, the fact is, when Jesus left this earth, he didn't just leave people alone. And just live, he, Jesus did not abandon anyone. He provided us the Holy Spirit so it would dwell within us instead of comfort us. In John 14, 6, in John 14, he makes this truth. He said, I will ask the Father, he will send and give you another helper to be with you forever. Again, forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot realize because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells within you and will be in you. So God provided this great means of comfort for us. Yeah, I might say helper in our English Standard Version read from. Other translations call it the counselor. But the King James clearly refers to the Holy Spirit as the comforter. The whole point being that while we face in life times of loneliness, maybe even times of depression, and we've been abandoned, believers, we as believers as Christians, we have the emotional help and comfort offered by a loving, loving Heavenly Father. We may not get it from our Father, but we always can get it from our Heavenly Loving Father, the comfort we need. Colin Vassallo, in his biblical counseling book, writes, Counselees, or believers particularly, must be reminded that God's sovereign presence and comfort not only mitigates feelings of loneliness and abandonment, but actually fills them in a way that others never could. Even the care and concern shown by counselors cannot compare to the extended hand of God when it comes to restoring comfort and peace. Colin states it accurately. There's nothing. Family and friends always rally to the side of someone when they need some emotional help. But there's no one like God who can restore comfort and peace in our lives. So as you hear that, I recognize that it's not an element of possibility. I mean, it's very possible that as we come here today that one or several of us are facing an emotional crisis this morning. So if that's true, then let your soul today be comforted by the presence of God. He is always there. His omnipresence comforts because he is always there in our life each and every day. Another way that God's omnipresence can help us is physically. Yeah, aside from the emotional comfort that God's omnipresence brings, so too does those of us that are facing some physical trials. And recognize this, that physical trials can be sometimes much like emotional, especially in the element that they both can have immense amount of pain. The last two years, has demonstrated the physical trials that many people face through the coronavirus. I know people who've worked all weekend, particularly Penny and John's daughter, all weekend long still helping those facing coronavirus. They sacrificed their time on the holidays with their family and friends so they could be with people who needed help physically through the coronavirus. 
But a lot of things we've learned the last couple of years pertaining to the pandemic with the coronavirus is that, that, that the physical bodily anguish that the coronavirus introduces it varies by individual, it seems, but still has some common side effects and features that seems to be longer lasting than those experts first had imagined. I know people who have, that have had COVID months ago that still struggle with regaining their taste and smell. I know people who've had the coronavirus that still have a, a large amount of fatigue and tiredness. It seems to linger for many, many months, not just a few days, certainly not just a couple of weeks. I know some who even have difficulty remembering certain features of life. And there's other side effects that seem to last longer than every doctor first predicted and imagined, all indicating really that there's many unknowns still to this virus. Of course, it's not the coronavirus, which we've had for the last couple of years. There's also that physical and emotional trauma that introduced through cancer. It seems that every one of us can be affected by someone we know, a friend or, a friend or family member who has cancer. Our prayer list is full of people who are having cancer. So cancer affects everybody. But certainly the person diagnosed with the disease has enormous physical pain that often results from particular treatments or just bodily pain in general. But it's more than just sickness and disease that offers physical pain. Physical impairment or abnormalities from birth. Even a soldier wounded in battle can result in the physical situations in which they need comfort. And when those physical conditions present themselves, it can also result in some post-traumatic stress that can affect both the mind and the body. So here again, when this begins to happen, God's omnipresence, his always being there, can be of comfort. Recognize how we as believers always have direct access to God. We don't have to go necessarily to church to be having direct access to God. He's always there, always present. And it's comforting to recognize, especially upon this Christmas season, that God is always there. Whatever we may be going through in life, he is there, present in our lives sometimes even waiting for us to turn and call upon him to comfort, to guide, to lead, and to console. We ask the day after Christmas, we're not going to stop celebrating the birth of our Lord. I recognize there's many reasons to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our King, our Messiah. And so today then, we have the day after, and we feature the fact that one reason to continue to celebrate every day throughout the year is the fact that he left his throne and dwelt among us. Like it's mentioned in John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So true. Think about it. He didn't have to come and leave his throne and dwell among us. But he loves us, and he did. Like Paul wrote to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, though he was in the former God, 
did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. The fact is this, for our final point, that Christians do not worship an inaccessible God, but we are blessed. We are very, very blessed by his daily and personal interaction in all of our lives. And it's not just a few he's interacting with. He's interacting with every one of us. Every day he is there interacting with us. And we have another reason to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That with the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ is the promise that he is always there. Emmanuel, God with us. He is always there ready to help us in any type of situation physically or emotionally. So essentially, the Christmas season is not limited to a day. It's not limited to 12 days of Christmas. It's not limited to a month. Celebrate the birth of Jesus each and every day of your life. And what amazing love that God has shown for all of us by presenting himself to us so personally and so intentionally. Because God is omnipresent, always there, you and I are never alone. Jesus Christ promises to be with us always and everywhere. And you heard the text say forever. Just as Jesus commissioned his disciples in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, he said to them, I am with you always. I am with you always to the end of the age. The same is true for you and me. It was not just for the disciples. When you truly receive the love that God had for us, that he gave his one and only son, born upon the day we call Christmas, when you truly receive that, it will change your entire life. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is our Savior. He is our King. He is our Messiah. And He is always there. He is always there for you and me. Father, what a wonderful message, Lord, we have for today to recognize that you're always there for us. In any situation in life, Lord, you will never abandon us. You never forsake us. You never leave us, Lord. And today we just come together recognizing a special feature. Well, I pray that all of us would truly take that to heart. I know, Lord, with just having a relationship with people here today, as their pastor, there are people in pain. It could be some emotional or physical pain we're having here today. So I pray today, Lord, they recognize that they just, just turn. You're there. To help them through the pain. Lord, we as a church, a family together can help each other. But as we heard here today, there's no one, no one better than you to give us that peace and the comfort we need when we're having that type of emotional, physical pain. So I pray to the Lord we receive this message in its fullness. 
and leave here today recognizing that it is time for us, if we have not yet, it is time for us to turn truly to you and receive the comfort, the comfort that only you can really provide. Let's receive that in full today, Lord. I pray that each of us receive that today. Let's receive that gift of Jesus right now. I love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name.